Hello, welcome back to Welcome to Cinema Podcast. Uh, if you know what we're doing, this month we're going to be just talking about Federico Fellini's films, and this is the second one we're going to be talking about, Knights of Kiberia. But more after we're from our sponsor. So, Knights of Kiberia, this yeah. is the second time both of us have watched it, I believe. Yeah, we watched it for the first time at, like, a cinema club yeah. thing during COVID. Um I don't remember their name. They were um, Sands Films Cinema Club. Mm, yeah, so in the UK. Big yeah. shout out to them. I think they're still doing um, virtual. Uh, and physical. Sh- and physical showings. Um, and they run, I'm pretty sure, on donations. Yeah. So we're not we're not connected with them or affiliated them in any way. But we do think that they do a service for film lovers. Yeah, and music. They also do... Live concerts sometimes. Sorry about the cats being very loud. Uh, but yeah, Knights of Kiberia. This is another collaboration between Fellini and his wife, Massina. And Kiberia is actually her character from... The White Sheik. The White Sheik. She makes a... Yeah, just a small appearance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a cool little fact. I think. They, they, they don't really connect, really, but... No, they don't mention, like, Knights of Kaviria doesn't really mention anything about anything that happened in The White no, Sheik. but, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's like, like an expansion on a character that you kind of already know if you've been familiar with his Yeah, art. it's cool without being like, oh, you gotta watch the first movie of the first. It's just a little snippet. Yeah. But, um, I'll go ahead and, and expose myself. The, the first time... We watched this. I did not know that she was a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, no clue. I've seen other people say that. Like, absolutely just, it did not connect with me. And it wasn't <laughs> until after the discussion part, I guess, in um, the Sands Film Club, I think, is he, like, talked about it at the end. Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that she was a prostitute. Uh, I don't but know. I, I've seen people say it took them a while to connect the dots, or so mm. it's not. I mean, it's not explicitly said. Yeah, but I spent the whole movie being like, "Huh, I, I just don't understand why she would just get in <laughs> random people's cars. Like, does she not know that that bad things can happen to her?" I mean, there's ex- it's explicitly said that there's women mm-hmm. around her that are prostitutes, but I guess it, her. They do say in the beginning that she's a working lady, but I guess if you miss that or if you don't connect that working lady means a lady of the night. Yeah, I just kind of assumed that she was like, oh, she's not a stay-at-home type woman. Yeah. She, she's not a homemaker. She she works outside the home, but I, I, I got it this time. I knew that going in this time. Okay, that... so, so Nata Kabiria, of course, about the main character, Kabiria, and we just follow what she does, and she is a prostitute, which... Makes this the second movie in a row where Fellini explores the criminal acts that come off the poverty of post-war Italy. Because his bef- the movie he did before this one was The Swindlers, Il Bidone, which is about, you know, people scamming mm-hmm. the poor. And now it's a prostitute trying to make a living. But she doesn't like it, obviously. I would assume. Most well, people don't love it. I think with her, it's kind of... She wants love. She does want love. And she has this sort of naive personality while also being... Streetwise. Yeah. Yeah. She's very smart. Like, she doesn't take any crap from 
the other girls or their pimps or any other of the street people, right? But she lets herself be a little fooled by men that she thinks... Love her. Yeah, love her. And she's very quick to that loving judgment. We see in the beginning that she gets dumped and... Pushed into a river. Yeah, and he takes all her money. And then when she comes home, she's talking to her best friend. And she says, oh, but he loves me. And the friend says, love, you've known him for a month. Yeah. So she's very quick with the love. And the end, same thing. Again, Fellini is very symmetrical in his storytelling. So the beginning is often the end. Yeah. Not that it loops around, but it's just similar. Yeah. And again, she's very quick to marry this guy. Because she thinks it's a sign. Mm -hmm. But he's a scammer that's scamming her to steal her money. And when she realizes this, that's like a that's like the biggest moment of the film. It's not the end end, but like Mm -hmm. pretty much the end. And it's touching and like really strong the way she like just wants to die because she lost her faith in love. But then again we see her regain it in the actual ending. Where she... Yeah, I suppose so. But, like, I feel like with her character, the beginning, she's with Giovanni, and he pushes her into a river and steals her purse, which had around 40,000 lira, which I've tried to check multiple sources to kind of see how much that was. But I, I think it was in the equivalent of money today, it was probably around $700. Yeah. I'm not an expert. Yeah, it's like um, an amount that's big enough to put you in the dumps for a while. mm Mm-hmm. But small enough that, like, some people think it doesn't matter. Like, it's not a lot. Like, she thought it wasn't a lot. Like, it wasn't enough for someone to betray her. Yeah, yeah. She she mentions that in, in why would... She's kind of in denial that he would push her into a river and, like, leave her t- to die over 40,000 lira. So, like, it is an amount of money where it would be kind of un- unfathomable for someone you think loves you. Yeah, but, like, big enough you. that, like... It would make it would, a difference. It would you set know? you back for a while. Yeah. Especially her situation. She lives in, like, a literal cube. But she does have a house, at least. Yeah, she's very proud of that. She's very proud that she has a house, and the house has accommodations, light, mm-hmm. gas, water. And, I then, mean, we do see yeah. a different side of, 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 Rome. of Rome, where the cave people live. And she comes across an, um, an older woman who was a, I don't know, like a profound prostitute? I don't know. That's what I got. That mm-hmm. It was that lady that she used to have apartments in Rome and in other places. And now she lives in, in, in a cave. And I think that's kind of Kabiria's turning point for our story where she kind of really doesn't want to end up like her. Yeah. Because right now in the story that we're being shown, she's young and still has like life within her and can still work as a working girl. But... This movie just has so much death. I mean, all the Fellinis do, even, like, the non-popular ones. Where, like, yeah, we're seeing a woman that's trying to find love. And then a woman that's trying to find her her way in life in a world that is very harsh and pretty much impossible to change your ways. But then we also get this just the position of the society at the time where you have the really poor people and then the really rich people that just super disconnected they don't know, you know, what other people go through at all. And yeah. then we see that there's people that gave him 
have it even a lot worse than Kabiria does, mm-hmm. where they're literally living under rocks, trying to live. They they depend on social workers coming by sometimes, giving them food, chocolate. Yeah, and she gets to experience both sides of the coin, like both sides of the extreme, mm-hmm. because she meets the the movie star. Lazary, I think, is his name in the... Yeah, it's it's a it's a play on the actual actor that mm-hmm. portrays this character, because he, he was, like, super popular in Italy at the time, and he plays a super popular actor in Italy, mm-hmm. and they just, like, switch his last name by a letter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an inside joke, I guess, for people that know <laughs> Italian cinema at the time. Yeah, and so, like, she sees that this man, you know, drives a nice car and has this amazing house or apartment it really or is an amazing house even to today's standards that's like insane yeah and it's just kind of like she can't even fathom any of it sometimes i feel and she and she's in that house and she's still proud that she has her own house yeah and she's like it's she says it's not your house but it's i own it and it's yeah. mine and there's people that don't have that they don't have anything yeah and i've i've done this for myself you know yeah so she's very proud of herself but also knows that she should be doing better at the same time. So yeah. it's kind of a veil that she wears. Yeah. And I really like the scene where she has with with the Lazary character um, where they're at the club and they start dancing and she kind of does her own little thing, do her own little beat. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really liked it. I think that Fellini did it in a way that it, it made me feel like he is just endlessly entertained by his wife and really I wanted am to, too. That to, to showcase her the way she moves is not replicable i think she just does it so uniquely and like just she's not faking anything yeah and this movie felt very effortless for her especially like i'm not saying she's a prostitute in real life but the way that she played the characters morals and the way she played the characters just facial expressions and the way she moved was so effortless that felt like you're watching her just be herself yeah and there's just so many moments in this film that are just so touching i feel like the first time i watched it i just wasn't connecting with anything mostly because i guess i just didn't understand it at the time that's it happens you know i just didn't get that she was a prostitute i didn't really get why things were happening but this time after you know kind of Knowing the plot line and knowing, okay, this is what this character is doing. This is what, you know, Mm -hmm. this means. I was able to, I think, connect with it a little bit more. And there was, you know, two moments that really got to me. And it was the one where um, her and the other prostitutes and I think one of the pimps and his uncle go to the, um, to the religious thing and they're all saying like thank you to the virgin to, mary, yeah, yeah to the virgin mary and you know she gets very emotional and she's like please let me change my life yeah you know she's that's kind of her like turning point like she's been building up to it but mm-hmm. that's the moment where you're like she's done and then she kind of like snaps at the little picnic thing they're doing outside mm-hmm because she feels like nothing's changed, nothing is going. Like, everyone kind of went there to be better people, and then they're all the same. Like, nothing nothing happened. Yeah, but even before that one, there's, like, a little prosecution going by the town, mm-hmm. and all the, the girls are making fun of it. She kind of 
gets endeared by it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, a car shows up and says, get in. She gets in, so she doesn't get to follow that. Yeah. But then we do see her proceed to follow th- this. I don't know, I guess she sees it as a possible break. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the there's a lot of memorable scenes in this. Yeah. But the other scene that made me tear up a little bit was definitely when she gets betrayed again mm-hmm. this time by a man named oscar well that's not his real name no but that's what we know him as mm-hmm. and um they meet because he was at the hypnotist show and sh- she was hypnotized and basically kind of confessed her romantic side yeah that scene is a- another example of fellini's like vaudeville roots mm-hmm. where he loves that old time comedy set he plays that like pretty smoothly but it's like you feel sorry for her mm-hmm. she just got exposed and used on stage for entertainment yeah she was really hurt i mean she started with like saying that she wasn't gonna do it because she's not there to be laughed at and then she ends up being laughed at yeah and it's just like just so many things happening to her but then immediately something that Gives you hope, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like Fellini did such a good job because when we first meet Oscar, or the character named mm-hmm. Oscar, you know, he um, makes it seem like he actually does kind of, or at least is intrigued by her. Yeah. And so, like, when I watched this the first time, this was the first ever Fellini movie I watched, so I had no concept of where this was going i was like oh like her life is gonna turn around like this guy (laughs) seems like he's really good for her he you know doesn't she she makes a mention that he's the one that always pays for everything he never asks her to pay for anything he doesn't ask about her her life you know um or like the life that she's living right now Mm -hmm. and all that stuff so she thinks he's a good guy and then you know he wants to marry her and all this stuff and i'm like ah yes like (laughs) this is great but then as soon as he takes her to the woods i'm kind of like oh yeah and that's so well shot yeah and so when she starts crying and just like just having like a i would say like a panic attack on the ground like she just loses it that makes me emotional too actually like he doesn't actually do anything Mm -hmm. in that scene like he does he just stands there Mm -hmm. and it's the camera cuts and then kabiria kind of says her own fate Mm -hmm. she's kind of the one imagine if you pushed me in wait to take my money wait is that what you're gonna do and then like I mean, it's pretty obvious because of the way it's shot, but, like, it, it doesn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. So that's the storytelling without, you know, just laying it out there Yeah. for you. But Fellini is known for building you up just to bring you back down. And this movie does it so many times. Yeah. But it always feels hopeful. Even the ending feels hopeful. The ending does feel hopeful. Like, she just lost everything yet again, but she's smiling. I would say she's even worse off than than she was in yeah, the beginning. She, she's she doesn't have a house. house. Yeah, but she still smiles and, mm-hmm. and she's crying and it, like her makeup runs down in a single black tear. Yeah, it's supposed to look like a clown. Mm-hmm. Like that's reminiscing of her Lastrada makeup, and then she smiles and you're like, yet again she can rise up. Yeah. But if the movie continued, of course she wouldn't. But. It ends there, so we don't know what happens. Yeah, it's... Those two moments really got to me this time. 
in a way that they didn't originally. And that's good. That's yeah. why we rewatch stuff all the time, especially the good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I still think I like Lestrada better than this. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like they're both very tragic in very different ways, though. Mm. And she, her character dies in, in La Strada. But I don't know. And and it's very different, I think, even though it does pertain or it does talk about illegal activities. I think it's very different from his movie that he did right before this, which was Zilbidone. Yeah. And well, that one's more of a neo-noir. Yeah. Well, I guess not neo because it was the 50s. So noir interpretation of the story it's a lot darker there's not a lot of positives the way this has like uplifting moments yeah and messina is also in that one but she plays a very two-dimensional character yeah not not to fault of her own or even like the directing or anything her character was just not that important and yeah it was just to like have her there I yeah think, you know i mean she's not great in that one but you couldn't really be. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care who you are. That 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 was she pretty was, impossible. She was great in this, and I've seen a lot of. I think this is her best movie, and she won yeah. best actress at the Cannes Film Festival. Which we we read the uh, booklet that comes with the Criterion box set, and they talk about like this. Obviously, won best foreign movie. Mm-hmm. It was the second in a row for Fellini, so the first two foreign Oscars were both Fellinis. But the booklet says how much more important the Best Actress Award was because this movie really is about her. Yeah. And it's, I think it really solidifies her as being one of the greatest actresses of, of the really time. Is, yeah. And, you know, pr- probably of all time. No, for sure. I um, mean, yeah. She's, she's so endlessly amusing. And there's so many moments in this where I just, she makes me laugh, even though she's, I don't think she's trying to be funny. It just makes me laugh because she just looks so awkward sometimes. I think it might be her personality where she's always trying to be a little funny. Yeah. The way that she does hand movements and just facial expressions. She is funny. I mean, again, we talked in the last chart about how she was very compared to Charlie Chaplin. And I don't like that personally. I don't know how she feels about that. She might love it. You know, it is a compliment. Mm -hmm. Like, people don't mean it as an insult in any way. But I think she's so unique that comparing her to anyone makes no sense. I I I understand that, and I don't know. This is such a good movie. It's a movie about hope. Yeah. About night being naive, being naive about love. Well, hope, hope hopefulness comes with naivete. Mm-hmm. There's no way of separating the two because if if you're if you're smart about life, you know there's no hope and everything's gonna go down from here. Mm. And we're all gonna end up in the same hole in the ground. Right, right. But this is my favorite Fellini movie. Mm. At least from, you know, I'm gonna rewatch the ones we're gonna be talking about, so this could change. Especially towards La Dolce Vita. I know a lot of people love Eight and a Half. I'm not one of those. I do like it a lot, but I don't, I'm not like mm. in the in the sense that it's one of the best of all time. I don't, I'm not really there. But yeah, I'm re- I love talking about Fellini movies, and I'm very excited for the upcoming episodes, and you should be too. Yeah. You could subscribe, you could check the, the previous episode, but yeah, this is my favorite, and we'll see next episode where it is. I give it a 10 out of 10, obviously. Yeah, and I gave it an 8 out of 10. 
I raised it from a 7 out of 10 on my first watch. Again, we watched it probably a little over a year ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. I mean, um, it was... It was during COVID, so during COVID restrictions and well, all that. Well, this so. got the restoration around the Fellini 100th mm-hmm. birthday. That's 2020. So, yeah. yeah. Probably... So, Probably. Yeah, I gave it a seven then because I knew it was good, but I just didn't get it. Didn't connect with me. But this time it, it this time around it did, so I gave it a a bump in star ratings. Oh yeah, that happens. I I think I didn't like it as much as I did the first time again because of the, like the Oscar turn towards the end, mm. like how Oscar just betrays her. Yeah, that was you know more hitting in the first watch. Mm. But I mean, I still love it. Same. I mean, I love all of his movies. I'll suggest it'll be Done, because that's the one we we skipped over. Mm-hmm. We covered La Strada, and now and that's a career in between it'll be Done. Really suggest, it's really good. Mm, yeah. But I think we're going to end it there, and we'll see you guys next time.